This episode of Pod Cemetery is brought to you by Patty's Homebrew Potsheen. Patty's Potsheen, a bird never flew on one wing. Hello, my name is Chris. My name is Kelsey. And this is Pod Cemetery, where we dissect horror movies like the rotting corpses that they are. This week, we start the St. Patrick's Day season. Yes. Two weeks of movies that are at least tangentially related to St. Patrick's Day. This week, 1988's Maniac Cop, which takes place on and around St. Patrick's Day, and even includes a St. Patrick's Day parade, and 2012's Grabbers, which takes place entirely in Ireland, to be stereotypical about it. (laughs) And it has drinking involved. Lots of drinking. (laughs) We have a friend who is from Lithuania, and this is a little anecdote. We... Went out with him, I think this was for St. Patrick's Day, and he said one of the things he really loves about America, he is now an American citizen, but one of the things he loves about America is we take other cultures' holidays and just drink a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we turn them into days of drinking. Things like St. Patrick's Day and Cinco de Mayo, and we'll take, if you have a holiday that your culture doesn't really care that much about, we'll take it, and we'll drink a lot. To be fair, as far as I know, I don't live in Ireland, but as far as I know, they do celebrate St. Patrick's Day. It's not like Cinco de Mayo that they don't care about. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Kelsey, before we get to the movie, what do we do? Slash cards. Why don't you give me a question? What legendary comedian made a memorable cameo as himself in Zombieland from 2009? Bill Murray. That is correct. And I chose that question because... Yes? One could argue that Bruce Campbell is a comedian. Oh, that's a stretch, Kelsey, (laughs) if I ever heard Well, that was a bad card. He does star in some comedic horror movies. This one, not so comedic, though. Not intentionally, no. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Kelsey. Yep. This one might be hard for you. Okay. The town that dreaded sundown from 1976 takes place in what U.S. town? Town? Yes. God, I was going to have a hard enough time thinking about what state it was in. It is a relatively well-known town. You've definitely heard of it before. Okay, first give me the state. It's in Middle America. That I know. It's a tiny town. That's why it's such a big deal that it happened there. How about if I give you the state? Okay. It takes place in Texas. No, it doesn't. Well, then that... I understand. The map that you sent me is wrong, then. I understand. Okay. But I don't think it is because it's kind of a... It's kind of a twin town. Actually, let me let me look it up. I think it's a border town. Because that map you sent me, and I was actually thinking it took place in Texas, and then I was thinking about that map, and the the one for Texas was Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and the town that dreaded sundown was on there. Remember, yeah. I had to I just so, make it all big so I could read the font. So it's it. I was right. 
it does have a twin city just across the border in the other state. The other state is Arkansas. I don't know. It's Texarkana. Texarkana. Which there's a Texarkana, Texas, and there's a Texarkana, Arkansas, and they're right next to each other. That makes sense. So, Kelsey, we're going to talk about Maniac Cop, but first, what's the premise? A cop is killing people, and they're trying to figure out who it is. Simplest way to put it. (laughs) Okay, all right. So, where did we watch Maniac Cop? Did, Did I buy this movie no the whole movie is on youtube i think oh did we watch it on i YouTube? think we might have watched it on youtube yeah okay so if you can watch it you can watch it for free it's a pretty classic schlocky horror movie type thing it was way better than i was expecting it to be yes directed by william lustig and written by larry cohen and starring bruce campbell mm-hmm. and tom atkins mm-hmm who you might remember from Halloween 3 and... He always plays a cop, it seems like. Yeah. My Bloody Valentine 3D. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he was in that. Was he the sheriff? He was the retired sheriff. Yeah. All right, so go ahead and watch it now if you so desire. And when we come back, we'll talk about 1988's Maniac Cop. You really think a cop did this? Why not? Why does Jack keep killing people? He'll kill again. He enjoys killing. When the most terrifying man in the city carries a badge, I'm gonna read you your rights. You have the right to remain silent. I know who committed these murders. Forever. He's back. Only now he kills innocent people. Maniac cop read it all. All right, Kelsey, walk us through the story of Maniac Cop. We open on a very long shot of a man getting dressed in his uniform. Now, what's interesting about that, why I bring it up, is because they full-on show you what his name tag says. Yeah. So you know, automatically, you know the name of the killer. Or you know what badge he's wearing. I suppose, but the point is, is that it, because throughout the film, you're supposed to be wondering who it is, and you're supposed to wonder if it's Bruce Campbell's character, but I never did because I saw, there's a close-up. Yeah. His name is Cordell. Cordell. I, and I need to look for somebody with Cordell on their But office. then later on in the movie, <laughs> you're told the story of Cordell, this crazy great cop who took no guff or whatever and put away lots of bad guys, but then somehow that they don't fully explain, (laughs) the bureaucrats put him in prison for breaking the law somehow. Because he basically... Violated people's rights, I assume? No, they say that. He violated Uh people's rights because it was like, well, I know this guy is the killer, or I know this guy is the thief, or whatever it is, criminal, and so I'm going to put him in jail, despite the fact that I'm not going through due process. <laughs> yeah, that's the point where we're told that Cordell was killed in prison by all the people that he put away. We actually are shown a scene of that. And so you're going back and forth between, OK, could it be somebody impersonating Cordell, picking up where he left off? But I got to say, you see him closely enough too many times. And you get a good idea of his gait as yeah. well. And, and his jawline, I'm sorry, but Robert Zadar has a very distinct jawline. He is called the chin, just <laughs> like Bruce Campbell is called the chin. 
But they do not have the same chin. No. Bruce <laughs> Campbell has a really defined actual chin. Robert Zadar has a giant lower jaw. Mm-hmm. Or had he passed away, unfortunately. When they said it, it, like, oh, it must be Bruce Campbell, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> the guy that I've been seeing is huge. Yeah, he's he's gigantic. <laughs> they Bruce show Campbell. him. They show him naked in this movie, and dude is huge. <laughs> Bruce Campbell is not that big. No, so. he's not. It's just, it's absurd that anyone would think that it's Bruce Campbell. Yeah, so I really hope that wasn't their original intention. It's kind of like in My Bloody Valentine 3D, which Tom Atkins is in, where I would have appreciated if we had moments where we as the audience weren't told straight out that one of these is a possibility and the other isn't, <laughs> right? It was another moment where it's like, oh man, but what if it? What if we didn't know it wasn't Bruce Campbell? And that would have been great. But I think the difference here, at least in My Bloody Valentine, he's wearing a mask yeah. and he's got this whole outfit on which can hide a person's physique. Yeah. No, in this they just, he's in an officer's uniform, which pretty clearly shows his physique. Mm-hmm. And the only way they shroud his face is in darkness. So you can still see the silhouette. Yeah. And he has a very distinct silhouette. Exactly. Like, if you ever wanted to make me question who the person was, you need to have picked actors that do not have very obvious physical traits. Yeah. Like these two men do have. <laughs> so anyway, we see Cordell getting dressed, and it's a very long scene. It is way too long. Yeah, apparently they filmed this uh, because they were using, I think, non-union workers or something. And so union workers were trying to disrupt all their shots. And in this one, they were outside the building where they were filming it, uh, <laughs> revving their engines and stuff like that, making it to where they couldn't get good sound. So they're like, great, we'll film this scene where we don't need sound, and so it's, it's completely silent except for the soundtrack. So then we meet a girl, and she's a waitress or a bartender or whatever, and uh, they're like, oh, let me take you home. And she's like, I'd rather face the muggers, which is funny because then she gets chased by muggers. Yeah. Then she runs into the arms of a police officer that she thinks will save her. Unfortunately for her, she ran into the maniac, maniac cop. <laughs> God, it's you. These two Puerto Rican guys just try to mug me. And... Oh, my God. And how does he kill her, Kelsey? Do you remember? He breaks her neck. Yeah. It's really simple and straightforward. Yeah. Also, randomly, they showed us that this guy, like, saw her getting attacked by these muggers, and he doesn't fucking do anything. Well, the idea, oh, yeah, well, that's the indifference of the public. Right, but I was like, is that gonna go anywhere? No? Okay. No, it's just setting a a tone for, like, where this is taking place. I suppose. Um, But the, the muggers do see the guy. And they see that it happens. So it gets out there that she was killed by a cop. Yeah, he, he one of them shouts, it was a cop, man, a big cop. <laughs> Which is funny because it's like, yeah, exactly. He, This man is huge. Right. So there is no mistaking him for a, for a bunch of other people. Like, you need to find someone who is enormous. <laughs> There's a scene coming up here where Tom Atkins, who I was really excited to see, <laughs> Uh, He's a detective, and he's trying to get information out there about how it's a cop, so he calls in a favor 
of this girl who I suppose is sweet on him. She's a reporter. But like I wrote down, they're supposed to be a romantic couple. Like she's this young, attractive reporter and he's this older, grizzled detective like they don't fit together. I mean, there's at all. an attraction there for sure. But but like he's I, a strong man, a cop. Like you know, there's okay. there's things. All right, I learned something new about Kelsey today. Uh, <laughs> look, at my core, I am a 1950s chick. Okay, yeah. I'm sorry. So our guy, the reason that he's so heads like definitely wants to get the word out is because he knows the girl who was killed. Yeah. And he he looks at this girl and he says, you must have been so scared, Cassie. And then you saw a cop, right? Oh, it's a very like... Personal. Right, but it's it's kind of a powerful line in this schlocky film. It is. You really think a cop did this? Why not? She knew me, she knew a lot of cops. You must have been so afraid, Cassie. And you saw a cop. You saw a cop. You thought you were safe. Uh-huh. You know, it, it reminded me of when I, so I went to school in Colorado and I had this Mustang, which was not built for snow. Uh-huh. And I got stuck on ice or something. And I, I, you know, got stuck on the side of the road and I had already called AAA mm-hmm. and this cop pulls up mm. he comes out of his car, knocks on my window. I put it down. He says, Hey, you know what's going on? I explain my car is stuck, etc. And he's like, oh. I'm like, I'm just waiting for AAA to come. And he goes, oh. Well, do you want to get in my car and I can take you somewhere where it's warm so that you don't have to sit here in this car? And I was like, fuck no, I don't. absolutely not. I I mean, I still to this day wonder. Uh I'm like, what was that cop thinking? Right. I'm this 19-year-old girl. There's help on the way. Yeah, like... It was really scary. Like, yeah. and it, part of me always has wondered, like, maybe he was just trying to do a nice cop uh-huh. thing. But You're it's kind like, of an idiot about it. Yeah, exactly. Like, what are you thinking that that is a good idea? Uh-huh. If he had said to me, like, I'm going to stay here and make sure you're okay. Yeah. That would have felt good. Mm-hmm. I'm not getting in your car. I right. don't, like, just because you're wearing a police officer's uniform does not make me trust you. And my father, I got on the phone with my parents and my dad was like, why wouldn't you trust a cop? And my mom was like, are you kidding? <laughs> and I think it just shows like there is this societal thought, oh, a, a police officer is going to help you. There's also the gender gap there where yes. guys don't know. And this is something that I had to come to terms with later on in life. <laughs> Is that is that I'm sorry, guys. We for the most part, not all not all men. Um, for the most part, we just do not know what it's like to be a woman in a world populated by men. <laughs> There's like a default state that is, do not trust this person mm-hmm. because you can't. Yeah. So like this movie made me feel very validated <laughs> in my decision. <laughs> Anyway, I mean, that's exactly what that guy is describing. Uh You must have been so scared, Cassie. Then you saw a cop. Yeah. So. So uh, that's why he wants to get the word out. And then we see Bruce Campbell and his wife. He's going back to work and she's upset. She's obviously depressed. She's in like a robe of some sort, like a house dress sort of 
frumpy little thing that she's dressed in and she's obviously depressed and they obviously have marital problems they talk about how she stopped going to couples therapy she wasn't willing to put in the effort and he was and he wants to but he has to go to work his effort can't be like just staying home with her all the time in this depressive state again we need to take action on this depression and he leaves to go to work at which point she gets a phone call from a woman saying he's the killer. He went out again, didn't he? Who is this? Why do you keep calling me? Why does Jack keep killing people? Are you gonna do it again tonight? Why do you keep doing this to me? And so she follows him. Follows him to a hotel mm -hmm. where she busts in on him and he's with another woman. Mm-hmm. And that's what it really was. And she gets pissed off and, and leaves. We find out that this other woman is, is also a cop, an undercover vice cop who works prostitution. And when the wife leaves, she is murdered by the maniac cop. Mm -hmm. And this is actually very, very important. And it's going to come up later. Yeah. The relationship between him and his wife is a strange one. Right. Because as we come to find out, as Chris just said, he's having an affair, right? Mm -hmm. So you would think that he's totally checked out of the marriage at this point. He's not. He's not because she's obviously flipping out. And at one point, like she begs him not to go to work. And he, he gets down on his knees and he takes her hands in his and he's like, you know, like this weekend, let's make it all about us. We'll go somewhere, etc. And she pulls away from him. And that makes him angry. And he's like, don't pull away from me, right? And then he's just mad again. So he was mad before. Then she begs him to stay. He's kind for a moment. Mm -hmm. And then she pulls away from him and that sets him off. And it's like, if he was actually invested in this, wouldn't he want to keep trying? What? I say no. Because she is so uninvested that she's actively hindering the relationship. And at a certain point in this marriage, after how many years, it's like she's the one that's checked out. How much and how long is he supposed to stay invested in a relationship that she's actively sabotaging? Now, that said... He is also actively sabotaging this relationship by having this affair. And it's really weird that aside from the fact that he's having an affair, this movie frames him as like the good guy hero, right? Not a troubled cop who needs to do what needs to be done or anything like that. No, he's a, a good straight laced guy who we should be rooting for. And the first thing that happens to him is he gets caught by his wife having an affair it's really weird it is weird and i love bruce campbell i love evil dead he's not a great actor he's not a great he's actor. he's a very particular kind of actor and i and that's what i'm saying is a comedic comedic actor yeah but i'm left wondering if it's simply his acting that made me be like what the fuck is going on between these two people because it Nothing about their interaction felt real. It felt very much like I was watching a movie. Yeah. You know? And that's the type of thing you would expect from a schlock horror movie. Yeah. Silly, stupid drama, silly, stupid story. But this movie actually has a lot to offer in the story department. So I'm left wondering if it's his acting, and that makes me sad. 
So he does end up going into work, and so does she. And he gets called out of his uh, briefing session by Captain Ripley, this unnecessarily gruff captain who has this really dark, scratchy voice. You know? <laughs> oh, that guy. Yeah. 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 I, for a while, I was wondering if he was the killer. Right. So, because he has kind of the build. Yeah. And he's the one who breaks it to Jack. Bruce Campbell, that his wife is dead and completely insensitively. And because then, he thinks he killed her. This is my point. What would make him think he killed her? At this point, she's just dead. He was set up because she followed him. And so she was in the same place that he was. And she right. had just found out he was having an affair. But they don't know any of this until he says it after the guy's already grilling him. Are you sure about yeah, that? Yeah, I wrote down, why is the captain so mean to the guy? The captain had no reason to suspect him before he volunteered that they were having trouble. And he's like, oh, so you admit you were having trouble or whatever, you know? <laughs> like, it's about your wife. She'd call you to complain about her trouble. Thought she'd be going to a lawyer or something like that. So the two of you haven't been getting along then? Captain, since when is my personal life any of your business? Since your wife was found dead in a motel room, in a sleaze bag motor inn on 11th Avenue, with her throat slit ear to ear. No, you gotta be wrong. You wanna see the pretty pictures? It's also the typical storyline that they use in a lot of movies yeah. like this, where the cops just want to sweep it under the rug. Yeah. They want it to be over. So it's like, this is a guy we can pin it on easy. Well, and your hero gets blamed for something he didn't do, and that's why he has to take action. It's a call to action, basically. I love that Atkins is like, this is too easy. It's not yeah. him. The Atkins and the captain are having a conversation. They're having a conversation about how it's a cop. And the captain's trying to, like you say, sweep this under the rug. And they're talking to each other. And one says to the other about how it's a cop. And the guy goes, and you're a cop? Fucking A, I'm a cop. What the fuck are you? <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> yeah, they have a funny they have a, funny a fun friendship. little exchange. Yeah. <laughs> and you're a cop. Fucking A, I'm a cop. What the fuck are you? Fuck you. So then we start to find out about this woman cop who works in there because yeah. she's the one that the girl told I'm having an affair with this guy. Yeah. Because Atkins believes that Bruce Campbell has been set up. So he starts investigating, you know, like... All right, girl, who Bruce Campbell is having an affair with. Yeah. Who did you tell? Because clearly you told someone, and that's how this this setup was able to be made. Who did she tell, Kelsey? I don't know her name. She calls her a den mother because yeah. she's crippled, so she can't be on the job. She has to sit behind a desk. I think it's Officer Noland, Sally Noland. Okay. Yeah, so she's crippled. And we find out that she is connected to this cop who was killed in prison supposedly. Yeah, she was in love with him. Right? They were getting married or yeah, something. I uh -huh. don't remember. And then when he got arrested and she found out that he died in prison, she threw herself out a window mm -hmm. and that's how she got crippled. Permanently crippling herself, yes. Yeah. Now the weird thing is, is when, when Atkins goes to investigate her, well the first time they make a whole point about how loud stomp, shuffle, stomp, shuffle that she is. 
The second time he shows up, she sneaks up on him and hits him over the head. And I'm like, how did she sneak up on him? They make a point about how loud and slow she is. Maybe that's all a front. Yeah, maybe. maybe, maybe. They never explain that. And you know what else they never explain? Mm -hmm. How the maniac cop is bulletproof. So we find out that he didn't die, but the coroner... They thought he was dead. He was almost dead. Right. The coroner pronounced him dead. Because he wanted to free him. Yes. Because he was such a good cop. Right. And then nothing happened for a while. And then he started killing people indiscriminately. Another thing they don't explain. Well, no, it's actually pretty great. Uh Uh-huh. Because this chick and him have a conversation and she says, Oh, yeah. She gets upset. What's got into you? I know you had anger. She has some weird accent. Uh-huh. I know you had anger, but I thought you'd only be killing the disgusting people who did this to you. I didn't think you'd be killing people that are just going about their business, going about their daily right. lives. And he, like, does this weird thing where he puts his hand up and she kisses it. Mm-hmm. And then, like, then he disappears because she hears a noise or something. Yeah, that's Atkins. Following them and sneaking up on them. What else happens? Well, we get a flashback. That's when we get to see what happened to him. Uh And we get this bizarre music and grunting sounds. And it's it's very strange. He gets jumped in the shower. Yes. And gets slashed up around his face. Yeah, and so they do it kind of in slow-mo. And there's these grunting sounds, and it made me think of Ludo. Smell bad. bad. That's what it sounded like to me. Smell bad. Of what speakest thou? Bruce Campbell is in prison, and his girlfriend is there, and... Maniac cop shows up, kills everybody there (laughs) at the prison or wherever they are. And Bruce Campbell escapes because the guy's going to kill him, too, and her. And they get out. And but you're missing the great line Uh by the the crippled woman. He knows he's here. Die, but I love him so much. <laughs> he knows you're here and he knows that I'm no good to him anymore. He knows! He knows! He knows! He knows I'm no good to him! He knows I'm no good to him! I'm not afraid to die, but to have him kill me when I love him is she's gone nuts and like he ends up killing the crippled woman yeah and according to her it's because he knows that she's no good to him now that she's crippled (laughs) well i don't think it's necessarily now that she's crippled it's now he's working on his own and she tried to she is the one who tried to frame bruce campbell she's the one who called his wife and and all of that um but when he, he was, like, kind of done with her because she was complaining about how he's killing <laughs> random people. And she's like, oh, shit. <laughs> I just became somebody who might, like, oppose him. And so now he's got to kill me, too. This movie, I've noticed, in tone and everything, just seems needlessly cruel to women. <laughs> like, it's just they all die an 
awful ways. Well, his girlfriend is pretty dope, actually. She's she's a bad actress, but yeah. But like her character, like she's a beat cop and um, she's undercover as a uh, as a prostitute as a prostitute, and she totally handles herself really well with those things. And Uh so she's kind of cool. But everybody else, yeah, all the women characters are really weak. Not that men don't die; they do die. They do die a lot. It's just not quite as cruel. Mm-hmm. Although this is the moment where Tom Atkins buying them time gets thrown out of a second story or third story window onto a car dying two thirds of the way through the movie. The main character in quotes dies because up to this point, Tom Atkins is the detective trying to solve this mystery. So we mainly follow him. Mm-hmm. Bruce Campbell's just a supporting character. I was pretty surprised when he died. Yeah. So he dies. And what a twist. Bruce Campbell's now our main character. What a twist. Mm-hmm. And there's this incredible chase scene. And it I wrote down, I don't remember why. What is with this chase scene? Oh, yeah. I wrote, the. this is forever long. Right, that's Maybe that's what it is. It's totally unnecessary. It's like they're trying to pad the runtime of the movie and yes. put in some excitement. We also get the St. Patrick's Day parade. Mm-hmm. Which apparently was filmed first and guerrilla style. They didn't have any permits. They filmed actual cops. Actual people. Yeah, and actual people with no permits, no nothing. I don't know how they didn't get sued. Well, I'm sure people didn't know that they were in the movie. Although there is one cop, an actual cop, shown drinking on the job while monitoring the parade. Yep. <laughs> and uh, so that's that's how they got the movie made is they shot that footage and were like, oh, we'll work it into the movie ac- somehow. And but they showed off that footage as like, oh, here's the kind of tone that it's going to strike. And and, and that's that. why there's so few cops in the prison. Right. Is when because when there's he the parade. comes in, because they're all out at the parade. Right. So there's the big chase scene. There's a fight scene at the docks, which is where the maniac cop lives. Cordell lives. And we get a big fight with Bruce Campbell and uh, Laureen Landon. That's his girlfriend character, the the undercover cop. And Cordell, when the cops show up and they see that it's him. I he, wrote, I wrote, they finally call for fucking backup. <laughs> right, yeah. Because the undercover cop, she brings another cop along with them and he calls in for backup. Mm-hmm. And they corner him at the pier, which is ready to collapse. They mentioned that. <laughs> that's why nobody's there and that's why he can stay there. But beyond that, they don't do anything with the collapsing pier. <laughs> right? You figure, oh, great, it could collapse. But nope, that would be too expensive. So instead, instead, we get a huge reveal of his face. And yeah. let me tell you. Nothing special. <laughs> it is a letdown. Right? <laughs> You see Robert Zadar's actual face with prosthetic scars. That is it. That's it. That is it. It's kind of a bummer. And it's interesting because the the flashback scene is pretty horrific. Right, when the, he's getting all cut up and everything. They make and, it seem yeah. like it's going to be like, he's going to look like a, a monster. Yeah. He's just got like big cheeks, basically. <laughs> it's such a letdown. And so he's trying to get away in the paddy wagon and Bruce Campbell goes after him and he's hanging off the edge of it. 
and he's they're like fighting each other as they're driving and he's driving down the pier and about to go off the pier and instead gets stabbed by some some lumber or a pipe or something that's hanging off the edge it goes right through the windshield and stabs him but that doesn't stop the paddy wagon from going right off the edge of the pier it's pretty and, great and flipping and crashing and you see the stuntman because it's obviously not bruce campbell <laughs> flipping through the air with this this paddy wagon and the debris and everything and they come down really close to each other i was like oh man this stuntman almost died <laughs> and then they pull the paddy wagon up out of the water and he's gone don't worry there are like four more maniac cop movies <laughs> all right so that's maniac cop kelsey do you have anything else to talk about lightning round nothing worth mentioning yeah, I would want to say that at the end of the movie, all they know, right, they see a guy, right? They see him run away with Bruce Campbell. There's a crash, and then dude's gone. They have no proof that Bruce Campbell didn't do it. He was arrested. He escaped from prison. <laughs> For all they know, he killed all those police officers. All the evidence still points to him. He is not absolved in any way whatsoever, aside from his girlfriend saying he didn't do it. And I guess there's that other cop. But, like, if it wasn't for them, he'd be going right back to prison. I just thought that was pretty interesting. Overall, I enjoyed it. It was fun. Yeah, it was fun. And I think it's because I went in with extremely low expectations. I thought it was going to be terrible. I mean, you hear the name Maniac Cop and you're like, oh God, it's going to be one of those movies. Oh yeah. And it well, kind of was, but it was a lot more highbrow than I expected it to be. It was well thought out. Mm -hmm. The story is there. It wasn't as gory as I thought it was going to be. Oh yeah. No, I thought it was going to be just a gore fest of some cop killing no, people. No, I mean, he's like snaps necks and stuff like that and that's not too gory. No, it's, it's and it's entertaining and it's fun and yeah. I was extremely happily surprised. So, what do you think it got on Rotten Tomatoes? I am going to guess it has around a 70. 50%. Okay. Underrated? A little. What would you give it? I would probably give it a 69. 69, dudes! Oh my god. <laughs> nice. It's the weed number. <laughs> Not quite a 70 because it's not an amazing movie. Right. You know? Yeah. Like, but it's, it, it, it's not great. Yeah. It's fun. And if you haven't watched it, it's free on YouTube. You should just see it one night. Yeah. Get some beers, hang out with some friends or a loved one, and watch the movie. It's fun. Yeah. All right, Kelsey. Before we move on to 2012's Grabbers... Do you have another Slash Cards question for me? I think you'll understand why I picked this one. Mm -hmm. In what year was Jaws released? God, I have two dates in my head. 74? 75. Oh, man. Son of a bitch. I was real close. <laughs> why is that? Why, why is that the one you chose? Then? It's an evil water animal that wants to eat you. Oh, because we're going into grabbers. Wow, you really stretch these connections. I do not. And I love it. All right, Kelsey. Yep. Horror can show up in unexpected places, like when a dead baby crawls across the ceiling in this 1996 film. Train spotting. Yup. That's a horror moment in a sort of comedy. 
know if I'd call it a comedy. It's a sort of comedy. It has comedic elements. Right. It's, it's about... Yes, I understand. People dying from taking heroin. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I get it. I understand. <laughs> Listen, if you can stretch, I can stretch. <laughs> All right, Kelsey, we're going to talk about Grabbers. Yep. From 2012, directed by John Wright and written by Kevin Lehane. What is this movie about? A tiny town in on an island off of Ireland. It's, I think it's actually called Aran Island or something like that. Yeah. Uh, this town is terrorized by aliens that want to eat them, or at least suck their blood. Yes, when they come across a potential solution for that. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk about it on the other side of this. You can actually watch it on a few different services. We watched it on Hulu, where if you're a subscriber, it's there for free. So we recommend you do so, right? It's a fun movie. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of fun. Definitely a comedy. This yes. one is a comedy. Yes. And I love the Irish accents and Irish names. I fucking love it. Kelsey and I are actually going to Ireland in a few months. Yeah. Excited for that. So excited. So, unfortunately, we will not be going to Aaron Island. No, unfortunately not. So go ahead and watch it. And when we come back, we'll talk about 2012's Grabbers. It's always the quiet places where the madness happens. But they're pilot whales. They died at sea. I can't be self a sea monster. This is something totally different. Something, something alien. You don't believe me? Holy Christ! Did <laughs> I tell you? Believe in coincidences. Not really. You are so lucky she didn't kill you. You were drunk. If we taint our blood with booze, we're poisonous to eat. Mm. Uh, uh, mm, it's extraordinary. We stay out of the rain and we drink. You're a Trona party. <laughs> it's a welcome party for me. We're leaving in a fortnight. It's just a goodbye party, whatever. Tequila! Sanchez. Have you got Semtex on you? Not on me, no. <laughs> oh, I'm pissed. Kelsey. Yes. What happens in Grabbers? So we meet our main character who appears to be an alcoholic. Yeah. At the very beginning. And then we meet, he's a cop. Haha, <laughs> another cop movie, which yep. was not on purpose. Not a plan. They're Gardas. <laughs> Was, That's yes. what they're called instead That's of officers. Right. They're guardas. So the main police officer, for some reason, is going off the island for like two weeks. So they bring in this lady who's going to replace him for two weeks. And the alcoholic is upset by this. He's like, I could totally handle it for two weeks. It's O'Shea and Nolan are the names, by the way. Okay. <laughs> and so the cop who's leaving says, you could. But you won't. But you won't. Uh -huh. Because he's an alcoholic. Yeah. <laughs> so Nolan is this straight-laced woman all about her job. O'Shea is not because he lives on this island where nothing ever nothing happens. Happened. And he takes advantage of that. Right. It's the perfect place for him. I think they said he was only supposed to be there for like a couple months, but then he ended up just staying because it's just such an easy job. Yeah. 
And this actually comes out a few years after Hot Fuzz. Whereas Hot Fuzz is like the conspiracy murder thing. This has alien invasion horror. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they feel very similar in that respect. Now, listen, I, Kelsey doesn't, but I fucking love Hot Fuzz. <laughs> I don't think this movie is on the the level of Hot Fuzz. Hot Fuzz is such a better made movie. But there are a lot of key similarities. similarities. But I mean, I don't think that's really fair to Grabbers because Grabbers is very obviously... No, no, no. no. I'm not putting them down. I'd say it's different enough. But right. I, just, I just noticed a few. I mean, it's not fair to compare a film which was very obviously made independent, mm-hmm. whereas Simon Pegg has producers and money and all this stuff. And Edgar Wright. Right. I mean, and I mean, just the fact that He's a great writer, you know, but yeah, absolutely. This definitely reminded me of Hot Fuzz as well. It's pretty great. As soon as our new cop, Nolan, gets in the car with O'Shea, she's like, would you like a mint? And he's like, no. (laughs) (laughs) As the audience, you know, she was doing that because he probably reeks of alcohol. Yeah. uh And she also says always the quiet places where the mad shit happens. Uh Very true in movies. Absolutely. We get one of the first things that they're called to is a bunch of whales washed up on the beach. They're beached whales, like a ton of them. Mm-hmm. And they're all cut up, cut up. And I forgot to mention, we do see fishermen die at the yeah. very beginning. So we know there is something yes. sinister happening. And we see it come down to earth. So like the movie is not trying to confuse us in any way it's it's very much no there is a monster Mm -hmm. and it is killing people and apparently also whales (laughs) yes yeah it killed a bunch of whales and they don't know they figure oh you know what they they died out at sea they were cut up coming to shore on the rocks and they just happen to have a resident marine biologist which is super nice and lucky for this situation <laughs> I, yeah true but it's also that he's a single dude in his like 20s or 30s like this island is made for old people yeah, <laughs> basically uh-huh. uh, in fact at one point i said where are all the kids <laughs> yeah there are like there are no kids in the entire All movie. All we see are older people. Especially, and it comes into play later on in the movie. Exactly. But it is odd when you consider the fact that we have one younger couple who owns and runs the bar. Yeah. And we have- Relatively O'Shea. younger couple. Right. And they have no kids. Yeah. And we have O'Shea, who Was we're married. told is a widower, but it's not true. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's just because he's a fucking idiot. And, you know, his wife left him. And so now he's an alcoholic. Uh-huh. It has nothing to do with a death or anything. Yeah. Well, the uh, the woman who owns the pub is right. just trying to butter Nolan up. Right. She wants <laughs> them to be together because uh-huh. she wants O'Shea to be with somebody. Yeah. But, like, other than that, everyone else that we see on the island is old. Yeah. So there's that. One of the old men is a is a fisherman, and he catches one of the baby aliens. Yes. And he says- He goes, he goes crabbing. I caught me a sea monster today, <laughs> which I like. Yeah, it's pretty neat. What is it, buddy? Now like a rock. Not really, no. It would, though. No, not really. It would. If you were to know what I know, you'd want to know. All right, tell us then. Right, so between you and me, I caught myself a sea monster today. So 
Word of God, may he strike me down. You don't believe me? Not a bit. I am no liar. <laughs> Fuck off, you! But there's a crew, a construction crew, that O'Shea calls in a favor from their foreman, and they pull in all the bodies and dispose of them. We're not told how, but they get them off the beach. And in the process, two of them die? I'm not really clear about what happens here. One of them gets attacked, right, and doesn't come back, and the dude who's driving the truck... Goes after goes him. Goes after him. And yeah. we don't see what happens to him. Well, we do. Oh, when yeah, he's that's used the as guy. bait. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. So we do know he dies because there's a guy, Tag, who, who lives in a house right by that beach. Mm-hmm. And there's a thudding on his door when he's home, at, when he's at home with his wife. And there's a thudding on his door and he looks out and he's like, oh, it's Cooney. Now, what the fuck is Cooney doing here? And he looks completely trashed. And his wife's like, get rid of him. And he's like, well, I mean, he's at the door. What am I supposed to do? Right. <laughs> so he opens the door and he sees him kind of like dancing around. <laughs> he's like, what the fuck is happening? Only to find out like he gets like he flies away or something. I can't remember what happens. I think he, he gets dropped. And so oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. the guy comes out like, are you OK? Uh, and then he gets yanked up on the roof by this monster who was using Cooney as a lure. Like he understood the human convention <laughs> of people knocking at the door and that's what will get them to open the door. Yeah. And so he gets pulled up and the wife freaks out, closes the doors and she starts. This is a great moment. I'd love this moment. She starts running around the house, closing all the doors and windows and everything, right? Mm-hmm. So this thing can't get in. Meanwhile, her husband is getting slammed around on the roof as this thing is crawling around trying to find a way in. Mm-hmm. She then realizes, fuck, the chimney's open. Mm-hmm. And she reaches in to close the latch that will that will close the chimney and instead gets yanked up through the through the chimney. It's a pretty shitty way to die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's got to be pretty shitty. <laughs> I don't understand why she doesn't call the cops. Well, she's too concerned with making sure this thing can't get in. True. She doesn't have enough time. So earlier I said that one of them picked up one of the babies, right? And he is also an alcoholic. And we see him at the bar with O'Shea and they're super drunk and he goes home and the baby attacks him. Well, his name is, of all things, Patty. Right. <laughs> so Patty gets attacked, but he's able to kill it. And we're like, oh. He's able to attack it. Yeah. Why? He gets he gets a little stinger that shoots out of its mouth. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it hits him. He's like, ah, son of a bitch, or whatever it is he says. But he's able to, like, knock it down and then stomp it. Mm-hmm. That's when it's taken to the marine biologist, who calls the cops and they show up and we learn a few things. This isn't a species that exists and it survives on only two things, blood and water. That's all it needs to survive. That's mm-hmm. when he starts to like wet the area around it uh, on, on one of its tentacles. It starts to kind of glow and twitch and they're like, oh, it could come back to life with just water. So... And this is where the name Grabber comes from. So it's the alcoholic. <laughs> Patty. <laughs> Patty. And he's just like, it's a Grabber. And the scientist is like, no, it's not. We're going to name it after its genus once I figure it out. Uh, a Grabber. A what? I have told you, Patty, I'm not calling it that. It needs a name that defines its genus. I discovered it 
I get to name it. But the alcoholic keeps calling it a grabber and it catches on. Yeah. And the scientist eventually later in the movie is sure. just like, right. fine, it's a grabber. It's a grabber. <laughs> Congratulations. Uh, that's, that's just the tip of the blood-soaking ice bear. Grabbers. Okay, I give up. Yes, it's a grabber. Well done. And I love that they're making fun of themselves. I yeah. love that they're making fun of like, we couldn't come up with a better name. So let's make it into a joke. Yeah, the, the joke is, is that the name's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so... They end up going to where Patty found the egg and they find a cave and it's a cave that's not easy to get to. It floods during high tide. This really reminds me of there's there's a uh, there's a beach that my grandmother would take us to where I was born in in far, far north California, almost Oregon. And you had to go on a little hike to get there. And at a certain point, you need to walk around this this cliff face uh, to get to this really fucking private, gorgeous beach. But if you don't get out before the tide starts coming in, you will be trapped. Like, so it's, I know that feeling and those places exist and it's really creepy. You can walk there totally fine, low tide, but high tide comes in and you're fucked. And for any Disney fans out there, this should be reminding you of the rescuers because she has to go into the cave to get the, the stuff and it floods. Right, exactly right. Yeah. So this is very similar. Uh, they go into this cave because they know it needs to live in one of these sorts of places where it has access to water and to the town and it can hide from, from plain sight. So they go with Patty and they find it all right. <laughs> Patty finds more eggs mm-hmm. and they find the mama alien and she is huge Mm -hmm. and so they run they get away from it they patty's like oh i found some and they're like shut up just run patty (laughs) yeah and so they never hear about the eggs and they get out of there they make it back to the marine biologist place and they're like fuck this thing burn it kill it with fire Mm -hmm. right (laughs) like so they pour gasoline all over it and the the doctor's like no don't do it and he's like no we have to kill this thing and sorry about your prize trophy. It's going up in flames. And he, he he lights his lighter. And he's like, no, you're going to get it. And then he sets it on fire. And the sprinklers turn on. He's like, wet. <laughs> uh, 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 are you mad? Don't do that. Smith, it's for the best. No, 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 no. no. If he lights that in here, he'll... Get it wet. You really are Irish. Shut it off. Sure enough, it gets wet and it comes back to life. And it takes all four of them to take this thing out, this baby one. And it's really funny because they, so the scientist immediately grabs a chair, right? Yeah. Okay, I can, it like like a lion tamer from the 30s, you know, yeah. I can push it back with this chair. Uh-huh. And uh, then... Nolan grabs a knife that she finds. And Uh so then O'Shea's like, oh, well, fuck. Now they both have weapons and I don't. So I'll pick up the next thing I see. And it happens to be a magazine. She just rolls up a magazine. (laughs) You're not Jason Bourne, O'Shea. I'm sorry. It's very funny. Yeah. So after they... They take it down. Fully destroy this thing. They By cut... just stomping on it. Oh, and, st- and and then it starts to move again, and they do it again. And it's really great. You see it from kind of pseudo its perspective. So they're standing over it. It's a really neat shot. It's very funny. This yeah. movie is very funny. It's, it's obviously a comedy horror movie. Yes. And they cut off all of its tentacles and everything, and it's just a face. Right? And so now they have it, and they can test it. O'Shea realizes that Patty was drunk as fuck. When this thing attacked it, it's like, wait a minute, this thing attacked you and you were fine. 
because it it face hugged O'Shea at one point during all this. It did. It face hugged O'Shea and he was able to get it off. And the question is, okay, why is it that these two particular people were able to kill yeah, O'Shea with some struggle and Patty quite easily by himself, right? <laughs> so they're like, oh, fuck, Patty, you were you were piss drunk. So you're three sheets to the wind. And O'Shea is always drunk as right. well. So he comes up with the idea, okay, if they survive off of water and blood, obviously they can't handle alcohol. Right. It's poison. Mm-hmm. So they try to replicate what happened to Patty <laughs> by getting Nolan... Piss fucking drunk. Because she doesn't drink. Right. So she's the perfect specimen. It's like, okay, well, let's test they this They need, theory. like, a control group and not just Patty's normal blood. Like, <laughs> you know, because uh, it's probably poisonous already. <laughs> she does everything that he did, including this... Um, moonshine, Moonshine, basically. yeah, which you figure it's going to be a MacGuffin of some type, but it's not. We do know it's crazy alcoholic which helps. Which which helps a little bit later. But she blows a point two. <laughs> they take some blood, which is crazy. Here in California in the United States, point oh eight is too drunk to drive a car, and they're looking to lower that. I thought they did lower it. I they think didn't. they might have. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I think they lowered it. Yeah. And so they feed that blood to just this head, right? They get it wet so it comes back to life. They feed it just this blood. And it just dies. Mm -hmm. It is almost immediately poisonous. So they're like, right, here's what we need to do. (laughs) It survives off of water, so it can only really get around the town if it's raining. And sure enough, there's going to be a storm tonight. Mm -hmm. A storm so bad that we can't get assistance out to this island until at least tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So we need to survive this night in an environment where it can go wherever it wants to go. Mm Mm-hmm. So we're going to gather up the entire town, which they all get at church, (laughs) and take them to the pub and just get the whole town fucking smashed. Well, it's also that's a funny scene because they go in there and they're they're like, we're going to have a party and, you know, come to the pub. Uh And they're just like, what the fuck are you talking about? And then they go, free booze. And they're like, all right, (laughs) we're in. (laughs) So they have this big, big party and nobody knows what's actually going on. Meanwhile, the few people who are in the know are trying to get something done. That includes O'Shea and Nolan. It includes the doctor, the bar owner husband, not the wife, mm-hmm. Patty, and one or two other people. And they are devising a way to attack this thing when it actually comes. There are a few people who die, but none of the people we like until the doctor comes out. And tries to confront it and is like, see, he plays a really good drunk. Did you know that they that the director took them all out to get drunk and recorded them Ah! and then played it back for them so they would know how they act when they're drunk? That is awesome. And they could replicate it. That is awesome. That's why I think Nolan does a really good job of playing drunk. She hits a lot of things that I think people wouldn't notice about themselves (laughs) when they're drunk. And it's really, really cool. But he goes out there completely wasted and trashed and is like confronts it because in his scientist mind of course he doesn't want it to be an evil creature he's right excited. it's not inherently evil right he's excited because it's an alien life form you know etc unfortunately yeah. it wants to eat him <laughs> so he breathes on it 
and it and it's like, oh, that's gross. So it knows it doesn't want to eat him. And he's like, see, if you're not a food source, it's not going to attack. He's just an animal. He doesn't want to kill me. And before he can get that sentence out, the thing just fucking smacks him <laughs> and launches him miles. I told you! It's just an animal! It doesn't want to hurt you! And that is the last we see of the doctor, and they never mention him again. <laughs> it's, really, it's really sad, because like, you really like the, the scientist, you know? <laughs> Is he kind of stepping in the way of the budding romance between... Right, but uh, they have a budding romance, and it's just as valid as O'Shea's, God I know, damn it. and it's They're really, really cute together. Oh, you're finishing each other's sentences now? <laughs> <laughs> that's the doctor, and he's... Uh, or, yeah. or, or no, no, that's uh, O'Shea saying that about the doctor, yeah, because they finish uh -huh. each other, yeah. But this whole time, O'Shea has decided to stay sober. Nobody really trusts him to do it, but he stresses the fact that he will do it because he's the cop he needs to take responsibility and somebody needs to be sober to start like calling shots while everyone's drunk it's a little much i felt nothing really came of him being sober well except that he was able to handle the situation they showed earlier that when he's drunk he can't handle things right right he's a really bad drunk and so i guess him being able to handle it makes a lot of sense but i feel like the whole sacrificial sober thing was a little much and unnecessary and it forced the drama a little bit and it made nolan kind of more attracted to him which otherwise they didn't seem right for each other at all so that that romance seemed a little bit forced to me but he uses this term a lot for the crack why do you drink so much karen for the crack and he says it like a what's rallying term right like a rallying cry for the crack now, this is actually not an Irish term, but the Irish kind of took it. <laughs> uh, and it's spelled in the subtitle C-R-A-I-C. Uh, that's not actually how it was originally spelled. That's an Irishification, <laughs> a Gaelic, a Gaelicification or whatever <laughs> of the word. It's actually just crack. C-R-A-C-K is the origin of the word. So it covers a lot of things. News, gossip, fun, entertainment enjoyable conversation and the term is particularly prominent in ireland and often used with the definite article the as in the crack and you can use it it's basically a stand-in word for anything great and fun right so uh you can say what's the crack is what's happening what's good with you you know uh or for the crack is for the fun of it for the you know for let's have a good time i thought that that was a pretty interesting term that i'm not too familiar with I was familiar with it because I know of a band called Crack in the Stone. Oh, And okay. they do Irish music. Ah, interesting. Mm -hmm. Interesting. When you see this thing move around, it moves around a lot like the Rathtar in Force Awakens. So I feel like the Force Awakens straight up stole this monster. It is a ball of tentacles. So it's kind of like the Beholder from D&D, &D, but the Beholder floats and has eyes at the end of its tentacles, right? This doesn't. It's this ball of tentacles with a giant mouth and sharp razor teeth, a circular mouth. And to get around, it rolls on its tentacles. Now, all of that is exactly like the Rathtar in The Force Awakens. Then, when they get into the Millennium Falcon, something happens that's the same as this. They're in their car trying to get away from it, and it lands straight on the windshield. 
And so you have this close-up shot of its mouth with the circular saw blade teeth and all that flat on the glass trying to get at them is exactly the same thing that happens when they get in the Millennium Falcon. Now, it only changes in that they fly away at light speed and mm-hmm. the thing gets torn apart, right? At light speed. Yeah, but, but I feel like there's a lot of movie monsters that look like this. No, this, like, it's a little too specific. <laughs> a giant ball monster that's a raging feast demon <laughs> with a circular mouth full of teeth. That's its main feature in the center. It moves around by rolling, not by walking anywhere. It has all these tentacles in every direction all over its body. And there's a moment when it tries to get at people, but they're in a vehicle and it's smashed against the windshield and we get a close up of its mouth. <sighs> like that, that's the same thing for both movies. That's a little too close for comfort. I will accept parallel thought. <laughs> I will accept it. Uh-huh. But it's a little too coincidental for my taste. So, you know, whoever designed this monster, good on you. You got ripped off by Disney. Interesting. (laughs) Interesting. So they're in the car and they're trying to get away because they're trying to do something about it. And Nolan has this idea that what if we dry it out? If we can capture it and prevent it from going anywhere, then we can leave it out in the sun when the storm ends Mm -hmm. and it'll dry out and it'll die. So they take it to the construction site that we mentioned earlier, and shit doesn't go well. Because <laughs> uh, they're so drunk. Yeah, O'Shea isn't. Right, but, but, but the he's rest trying of them to get are. something done. He has a flare gun, and which was the doctor's idea. Yeah, was, was to use the flare gun, and he wants to get the thing close to him so he can shoot the barrels and explode them. But he can't because the thing's too fast and it's grabbing him all over the place. They think they've heard it. I don't remember how. But he gets away and they're like, oh, good. Celebratory drink. I still have this stuff that Patty made. And they're like holding each other's hands when he gets yanked away. Right. Which was really obvious that that was going to (laughs) happen. It's great because there's a moment where he's like, do I really want a drink or not? And he takes it. And that's when he gets taken. And so he throws the bottle into its mouth and it freaks out and all that. And it throws him away. And Nolan fires the flare gun at the barrels, blowing the thing up. And so, oh, no, that's what happened first. I don't I'm not too clear on the order that this stuff happens. in. I just remember it all did happen. But it has him. And she comes up with this bulldozer and says, Kelsey, what does she say? No, I'm not saying it. <laughs> I don't say that word. I don't like it. <laughs> she says, get away from him. You. Yes. And which is so great because these things are face huggers, which Force Awakens is going to steal from this movie. This movie steals from aliens with the face huggers. Mm -hmm. And that's a line from aliens. Get away from her, you bitch. But uses an Irish slang term instead. I I even wrote (laughs) suddenly Ripley. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Because, of course, she seems like Ripley. But that's also a play on words because I love Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah. Suddenly Ripley <laughs> is standing beside oh, you. Hold on. Let me get this order of events right because it's really it's really bugging me that I don't have it. Well, the last thing I wrote is flare gun for the win. So it's got to be that the flare gun is how it dies. Yeah, I'm thinking maybe it has him and then she does the get away from him, you mm-hmm. thing, which gets them free. And they're like, oh, yay, everything's good. And then it grabs him and then... He drops the alcohol, it throws him, she fires the gun, blowing it up. Yes. So they end up walking back to town, 
and he throws away his flask and there's this really cute moment where he's like that was a bad idea you know and he runs to go get it. he's like ah, i'm just kidding i shouldn't have done that <laughs> just kidding i should so he's given up alcohol but you know just like in speed you don't make decisions like that after moments of intense whatever <laughs> i've heard relationships based on intense experiences never work okay to base it on sex then. Whatever you say, ma'am. <laughs> but we forgot about something the audience did and the, the characters did. Cuts back to the beach where we see those eggs that mm -hmm. Patty found. Mm -hmm. So there could be a grabbers too. Cut to credits. <laughs> All right, Kelsey. Lightning round? Yeah, lightning round. Okay. So we missed my favorite line in the movie. Which is? They're walking to the pub, I think. And O'Shea says, you know, get everybody wasted and, you know, the, they won't be able to eat them. And the scientist goes, uh, yeah, in theory. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a great delivery. It's so good. Because Patty was so intoxicated, his blood alcohol level was toxic. Exactly. If we taint our blood with booze, we're poisonous sweets. Uh, yeah, in theory. I love it. He's like, yeah, no, we, we just know that this is what's going to happen, and so we'll be safe. He's like, in theory? Yeah. <laughs> like, well, how are you so confident? Exactly. And I like, I was like, that would totally be me. That would be the one that just was like, uh, can we just focus on the fact that we don't know if that's going to work? Right. They go from... Theory to execution. Mm -hmm. It's pretty nuts. Apparently, maybe apocryphal, but the writer, Kevin Lehane, heard an urban legend about mosquitoes that you can prevent mosquito bites because he was on a hike. He was backpacking and he wanted to deal with mosquitoes. You can prevent it with Marmite. I don't know if you know what Marmite is or nope. Vegemite. You've I know what Vegemite. Vegemite is. Marmite is another spread that you put on toast or something like that. But it has a lot of vitamin B and yeast. And these things are poisonous to mosquitoes. And so you use that to prevent mosquitoes from continuing to bite you. So he wondered, again, maybe apocryphal. He wondered if maybe if instead of having eaten a lot of Marmite, somebody was drunk, would it get the mosquito drunk? <laughs> So when he got home, he ended up writing the script for Grabbers based on that. Getting drunk to survive something that wants to suck your blood. <laughs> this is pretty cute, I thought. I can't remember, but I really liked this line. Maybe you remember it. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure it's the the alcoholic. O'Shea's talking to him. Somebody is confused about something and he goes, a bird never flew on one wing. Yes, that is Patty says that mm -hmm. when... They discover that he made his own booze and the bartender right. calls him on it. You bring your own booze into my bar. And <laughs> a bird never flew on one wing. <laughs> it's pretty great. I also had a snifter of. What's that? It's a homebrew. You bring Hutching into my bar. A bird never flew on one wing. Also, during the pub party scene, yeah. we get like a Titanic dance scene. Which was really odd. Yeah, the swinging around thing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. They're, they're, uh -huh. I like, think that's exactly what it was trying to do. Is that what it was doing? I think so, yeah. Uh -huh. They they spin like in Titanic and the girl is laughing her head uh -huh. off just like Kate Winslet <laughs> yeah. does. I'm like, what? why is this in here? Because <laughs> they're figuring what scenes to film and a big party. 
an Irish party at that, because wasn't that what it was in Well, Titanic? it was an immigrant party, but yes. But it was predominantly Irish, yes. right? Yeah. I wonder what the difference is between the word feck and fuck. Because they use both. Yeah. Is there a difference? No. Then why do they say it two different ways? I don't say feck. Yeah, but you say, you can say frig or freaking. But isn't feck just as bad as fuck in their in their culture? Well, I don't know. I don't live in that culture. Various things get various responses from various people. Like you might say freaking in front of your mom and she might get upset, even though it's not technically a bad word. I suppose. They drop C-bombs all over the place and we do not. I suppose it's kind of like the way that we say shite sometimes or shiza. Yeah. Because we think it's funny. Which is other languages' versions of it, shit. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so I suppose maybe that's what it is. I don't know. I just, I I noticed that they said feck a lot. And I was like, there you go, Irish people. And then at one point, Nolan says fuck. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, I think, I think feck is probably the more, like, accent-heavy way to say it. It's probably the more Irish- way to say it but fuck is still a word that they know exists i think it's just two different pronunciations of the same word okay in the scene when it lands on the car that chris was describing earlier in her drunken state nolan starts to read it its rights oh that's so great <laughs> because she's afraid uh-huh. and so she just starts saying you have the right to remain silent <laughs> and all that stuff and it's really funny <laughs> a lot of it felt very gremlins especially towards the end when they've kind of infiltrated the pub a little bit and they're like flying around inside with the people. So the scene where they start to infiltrate the pub, right? When the people start to realize what's going on. Uh Oh yeah, wow, we didn't talk about that at all. Or they have to get everyone upstairs and then the place gets set on fire and yeah. It feels a lot like Gremlins. Oh yeah, because when she goes down there, and walks through the bottom floor and and the little wormy larva versions of the monster are all around. They're running around having fun, causing havoc, and she's just kind of walking nervously through them. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty fun. It's very Gremlins. Yeah. uh Also, there's a weird shot of Nolan. I guess it's just because she's drunk. Where, you know, she's got like a shotgun or whatever, and she comes across this bowl of nuts, and she just takes a handful. it's great. And then she's just like... (laughs) She's like 100% serious, and she's walking through this room full of the little mini grabbers, and and they film it like it's totally intentional, not like it's an ad lib from the actress or anything like that. Like, she looks at a table... Cuts to the table with the bowl of nuts. Her hand goes into the nuts, pulls it up, cut to face close up on her, shoving the nuts in her mouth and eating like a drunk person. Exactly. I can only focus on one thing. It's very funny. Yeah, no, it is, it's pretty cute. I like it a lot. And at one point, the jukebox comes on and it reminded me a lot of Shaun of the Dead, which is funny because. Yeah, Don't Stop Me Now. It, yeah, it's not Don't Shaun Stop. Of the that's Dead. not what starts playing i don't remember no what no plays. don't stop me now is in shawn of, of the dead, dead. in this it's i like can a tell 50s you 50s song or i something? can tell you it's bopalina by ronnie self and it reminded me a lot of shawn of the dead and it makes me think that they got a lot of their cues from simon Pegg movies because of this scene and because like chris said it feels very much like hot fuzz mm-hmm. so yeah totally mm-hmm. it's going on that whole 
comedic horror movie, Mm -hmm. which I love that combination. I love it a lot. I really like this movie. Yeah, I think it's great. You know, it's not perfect. No. It's very... I'm not going to give it a crazy high score. Yeah, it's very amateurly shot. This is a really good, I'd say, early movie. I think somebody that made this movie, in this case, John Wright, could go places with this on his resume. Yes. Uh, He hasn't made a lot of famous films. In fact, this might only be the third movie he's ever directed. Yeah, full-length movies, not TV or shorts. He did Tormented, then Grabbers, then a movie called Robot Overlords. So uh, I think it's this is he's a very competent director. Mm-hmm. And Kevin Lehane is a very competent writer. So, Kelsey, mm-hmm. what do you think its Rotten Tomato score is? 78. 72. <laughs> Underrated? That's probably where I'd give it. I was going to go probably 78, actually. Somewhere in there. I, I might even take it to 80. Wow. I think it definitely is. It has a lot of problems. It does. I really enjoyed it. I had a really good time throughout. Yeah, it's very funny. It's very entertaining. The acting is great. Mm-hmm. I think, like I said, the biggest problem for me was that it's not well shot. Like, the camera work seems very amateur. Yeah. As does the lighting, the color. Well, there's nothing that really stands out about it and makes it unique, really. Yeah, it's just and, like this is a movie. And the know? grabbers themselves look very CG. You know, that you never are thinking you're looking at a real thing. Right. Especially when early on when you just see the thing in the corner in Patty's bathroom in the upper corner and you only see tentacles. That was pretty CG heavy. Yes. You know. So, yeah, maybe around 78 would be better. But I really liked it. You, what would you give it? Like I said, 78 probably. Okay. I don't think it deserves to get up into the 80s because it's just not very well made. Fair enough. I'll agree with you. But if you haven't seen it and you're looking for a fun time with a monster movie, by all means, see 2012's Grabbers. Yes. I made a photograph with it. And I saw Geographic. And Facebook. Thank your photos. All right, Kelsey. That is the episode for this week. What are we watching next week as the St. Patrick's Day festivities continue? We are watching Leprechaun. This is a big deal, people. (laughs) There are a few movies that Kelsey has a hard time watching. This is going to be an important revelatory episode, Kelsey, because I'm going to break this news to the listeners. Okay. There are three movies that Kelsey has a hard time watching. Oh, there's way more than that. (laughs) No, 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 no. But like specifically because of the bad guys in it. (laughs) One and probably the least difficult among these is Leprechaun. Mm -hmm. I'm not concerned that I'm about to watch it. Right. But you don't like to watch it. No, I'm not. I'm not stoked about it, (laughs) but I'm not worried about it. Number two of all things, Gremlins. I've come, I'm not scared of it anymore. Okay. I would say. Okay. So maybe it falls below the leprechaun? Yeah. I think you're, I think you're missing one. I know what number one is and you're absolutely right. To be clear, these are, these are villains, monsters, or what have you that she doesn't even like to look at. Right? They're, they're scary to look at. So there are movies that still terrify me that I do not want to ever watch again. Right. Like. House on Haunted Hill. Right. 
there's some weird shit that happens in that movie that really trips Kelsey out. She doesn't like anything that takes place in an insane asylum nope. or, or stuff like that. So, you know, she'll be on edge when she watches a movie like that. But so we have the Leprechaun, Gremlins and Child's Play. That's the big one. Mm-hmm. Kelsey, mm. during the life of this podcast, <laughs> we will break you of that. I have watched the first one with yeah, you. Yeah, you watched it with me, but <laughs> you still freak out whenever he comes on screen. Yes. So it has not been broken. It's difficult to to, to browse through horror movies on Netflix because a Chucky <laughs> movie will come up. He's very popular. He yes. is fucking everywhere. Right. And it's really unfortunate. Which is why we need to break you of this problem. But one of those three is Leprechaun. So I'm excited that we're getting to it next week. What's the other movie, Kelsey? A made-for-TV sci-fi movie. Oh, hooray. Called Red Clover, <laughs> which is also about an evil leprechaun. <laughs> Red Clover, like Red Christmas? Yes, exactly. Uh-huh. Yes. Are we going to have a... Red Rabbit about Easter. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> and a red pumpkin. I mean, there is Halloween. a movie that has an evil Easter bunny in it. Yeah, there's even an evil turkey. Yes. Thanks killing. Which I have not seen either. <laughs> Which we probably will get to this coming yep, probably. Thanksgiving. We'll see how it goes. So for next week, homework is Leprechaun and Red Clover, apparently. Yep. We're gonna watch it, so you should sit through it too. <laughs> In the meantime, you can always get a hold of us at podcemetery at gmail.com or on Twitter at podcemetery, where you can send us your comments about the movies we watched this week, what we're going to watch next week, or even make recommendations for future episodes. But until next week, Kelsey, what is it we say? It's always the quiet places where the mad shit happens. This week, we're going to discuss, sorry, this week, we start fucking St. Patrick's Day fun time stuff. Yes. This week, we start St. Patrick's Day time. What do we call this? I learned something new about Kelsey today. Uh, <laughs> it's one of those middle America states that nobody cares about. I'm going to cut that out. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. You're throwing a party. Yeah. Why? Who needs a reason to have a laugh? It's a welcome party for me. Welcome party, but you're leaving in a fortnight. So it's a goodbye party. Whatever. You only just got here. <laughs> what is her problem? <laughs>